Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life of David and Me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today as we continue our series through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, a little bit of 1 Kings. Now, of course, before we begin, customarily, we start off with a video clip. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the clip, and we'll be right back. It has to end here. Order you not to go. I order you not to go. I order you not to go. I know now why you cry. But it's something I can never do. In the Bible, approximately one-third of the Psalms are laments. And of course, if you're a keener out there, there's an entire book in the Bible entitled Lamentations, which contains all laments. Jeremiah is a prophet called the Weeping Prophet, and his book, under his own name, is full of laments. So what is a lament? Well, let's start with what it is not. It's not just crying. It's not just sobbing, you know, it's not just mourning. It's also not just feeling sad or depressed. It's also not just about venting, whining, and complaining, though if you read some of the laments in the Psalms, you might actually conclude that when you read them because it's full of venting, whining, and complaining. All of these are expressions, symptoms, and visual illustrations of laments, but in themselves alone are not. When we dig deeper into laments, they are journeys through pain and loss and grief with a specific purpose and goal in mind. There's a point to the journey of a lament, an ultimate goal in a lament. And so today we're going to explore that. Eugene Peterson offered a good definition of lament. He defines lament as, quote, a bridge or a connection from life to death to life. In other words, acknowledging the reality of suffering, which could be expressed by crying, mourning, venting, etc. However, unlike just crying, mourning, and venting, there is a particular goal of trusting and drawing close to God. Wait, what? How do you draw close to God while complaining, venting, crying, mourning, in light of loss and pain and suffering? How do you draw close to God in the midst of loss and sadness. When David received news about the death of Saul and Jonathan, he cried, but it was also identified as a lament among many theologians. In particular, he lamented for Jonathan, his best friend. It was not just a cry. It was not just mourning and sobbing, but but it was identified as a lament because David drew close to God. What can we learn from David's lament when we experience pain and loss? I'm sure we all experienced some pain and loss recently. COVID caused great loss, whether it be economic, whether it be in our relationships, whether it be our loved ones, whether it be social connections such as church gatherings. The recent floods in BC, in particular Abbotsford and Merritt, we see in the news of the great pain and loss there. There's a lot of mourning, there's a lot of grief. I personally experienced pain and loss when my mother passed away this past April. What can we learn from David's lament 
that can help us lament in our pain and loss so that, as Peterson puts it, even though we lost something, we are not lost, but closer to God. Let's begin. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel because they had died by that sword that day. David mourned in response to the news of Saul and Jonathan's death. In my mind, it's clear why David would mourn for Jonathan. Jonathan was David's best friend. They were very close. It's like me mourning when my mom or anyone who's close to me passes away. However, mourning for my enemies? Mourn for those who backstabbed me? Mourn for those who wished nothing but curses upon me? Why would I mourn for those people? Why would David mourn for Saul? Let's remind ourselves who Saul was. Saul wanted to kill David. Saul was the reason why David was in hiding in the wilderness. Saul spread rumors and lies about David so that even David's co-workers and friends turned against him. Saul was the bad guy, and yet David mourned for Saul. Why? Because Saul was God's anointed, first and foremost. Saul was blessed by God, called by God, to be king and was God's agent to lead God's special possession, Israel. In other words, God loved Saul. David mourned for Saul because Israel lost their God representative and God lost a trusted partner. So David didn't mourn because he lost something personally. David mourned for he was mourning with God seeing and feeling how God felt in response to Saul's death. God wanted Saul to be close to him, depend on him, trust him, yet Saul kept moving away. God was hurt, and therefore David too was hurt when Saul died in the midst of evil and chaos, i.e. the Philistines. Even though David knew that God had everything in control and God would be victorious, this still hurts because Saul was loved by God and was God's partner. How about us today? Jesus says that he loves everyone. He loved everyone so much that he died for everyone's sins. When we see people die because of evil, tragedy, abuse, violence, injustice, Jesus mourns for them for he loves them. When we see our enemies die because of evil, tragedy, abuse, violence, injustice, or disease, we should be aware that Jesus mourns for them too as well for he loves them as well. Anytime someone passes and does not believe in Jesus, Jesus also mourns for them. And so we should too. And this is the first principle of what a lament is. Sure, there is mourning, but mourning becomes a lament when we are participating with Jesus' mourning for his beloved, i.e. humanity. That is why David mourned for Saul, who by definition was his enemy. But David mourned for Saul because Saul was loved by God. So, should we, so should we mourn when humanity hits tragedy, for Jesus loves them so much, he died for them. Now, let's take a look at David's lament, starting with verse 19. Your pride and joy, O Israel, lies dead on the hills. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Don't announce the news in Gath. Don't proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the pagans will laugh in triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, 
Let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fruitful fields producing offerings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty heroes was defiled. The shield of Saul will no longer be anointed with oil. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did its mighty work. They shed the blood of their enemies and pierced the bodies of mighty heroes. How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O women of Israel, weep for Saul, for he dressed you in luxurious scarlet clothing, in garments decorated with gold. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. This portion has two bookends. The first bookend is in the beginning where David sings in verse 19, Your pride and joy, O Israel, lies dead on the hills. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. The other bookend is found in verse 25 near the end of David's lament, where David sings almost a mirror image of the first. It goes like this, Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle, but instead of pride and joy of Israel lies dead, it is Jonathan who lies dead on the hills. Which, if you've been with me long enough, this song is written in a sandwich method, and looking at the two bookends, for David, Israel's pride and joy was actually Jonathan. It is then followed by the next two parallel layers, which are verses 20 and 24. In verse 20, David does not want the daughters of the Philistines to rejoice, meaning darkness shall not triumph. While in verse 24, the women of Israel, also referred to as daughters of Israel, should lament for their king who protected them. Then, going even closer to the next two layers, in verses 21 and 23, both mentions the mighty heroes. First, Saul and Jonathan are the mighty heroes who have fallen, while in verse 23, Saul and Jonathan defeated evil's mighty heroes. Both passages describe Saul and Jonathan in metaphors of their strength and how they've fallen. David's lament is then at the peak in verse 22. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did its mighty work. What's one takeaway for me in David's lament when we see this sandwich of a Written way, in a written way called the sandwich. In a lament, there's an acknowledgement of two truths, the blessings and the losses. Here's another video clip I would like to show you before we continue. What I'm trying to say here is sometimes that thing you're searching for your whole life, it's right there by your side all along. You don't even know it. David should be rejoicing when Saul died, but instead he lamented. In his lament, he acknowledged how Saul and Jonathan blessed Israel by being God created them to be. Saul and Jonathan were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions, and they were great warriors and protectors of Israel, basically being who God created them to be. Israel was blessed by his two men. Personally, I find it a whole lot easier to identify blessings from those who I like. You know, my friends and family as opposed to those I don't like or those who want to harm me. However, when I did my mother's eulogy, I realized she embodied both. When she was alive, there were times of wonderful positivity, and I would easily count those times as blessings, while there were other times I found it difficult to see the blessings. I'm sure some of you may have those times where it's difficult to see our parents' actions as blessings. 
For my mom, it's those times when she scolded me for not doing what I, what I said I was to do, the times when I was a disappointment, the times when I didn't meet her expectations. Were those blessings as well? As I reflected on those times while I was working on her eulogy, I would say yes, they were. In fact, it was those times that built my character and resilience. It was those times that I was taught how to take and receive criticism. It was those times that formed my work ethic that I have now. So even though at that moment, those times of scolding did not appear to be a blessing, they were, upon reflection, a blessing. I believe the same goes for our enemies. Our enemies and bullies are our blessing in disguise, just like how Saul was to David. They are from God, given by God for a purpose. Yes, it's tough to acknowledge this. It's really hard to say that our bullies and our enemies are our blessing, especially at that moment when we encounter them. I had my share of bullies and enemies throughout my school years and career, but I must say those bullies and enemies were a blessing because they taught me how to respond appropriately. You could say that these bullies matured me. For David, Saul was a blessing. God used Saul to teach David patience, resilience, how to navigate a team of misfits, how to survive alone in the wilderness, and most importantly, how to trust God. God used Saul to reveal David's weaknesses as well. Remember Nabal? And through David's weaknesses, David drew even closer to God. Saul was a blessing for David, even though at face value, at that moment, Saul was hardly what you would call a blessing. Sometimes, as Peter Quill would say in that movie scene I showed you, the blessing is right in front of you without you knowing it until you give some time to reflect upon it. The second acknowledgement in a lament from blessings is, of course, the loss. Laments have this balance between blessings and loss. Both are required in a lament. Acknowledge the blessings because by doing so, by acknowledging those blessings, we are not so much focusing on the individual, but more about thanking God, how he used that individual to bless us. A form of gratitude and worship to God. A way of drawing close to God during our lament. Second, we also need to acknowledge the loss for two reasons. First reason, because we can't ignore the seriousness of evil and the fallen world. Life is not a bunch of sunshines and rainbows. Life is messy, and life is full of challenges, hurts, pain, suffering, deceit, and loss. By acknowledging our blessings, but also acknowledging our loss, we draw closer to God. We deepen our dependence on God and make, me, and make us realize how dependent and how eager we are to expect Jesus to come again. For me, when my mom passed away, I experienced loss. Her death reminded me that darkness and evil is still in this world. Though it is defeated through Jesus' death and resurrection, darkness and evil is still put in a fight, and that is why we still experience this temporal juncture called death before we meet Jesus on the other side. Acknowledging our loss, acknowledging the reality we live in, we take evil and darkness seriously because Jesus took it seriously. And because we do so, we trust and deepen our God even more. David in his lament psalms always end with that trajectory in mind, the trajectory of placing his heart and trust in God even more in light of tragedy, loss, and grief. That's worship. How about our enemies like Saul? God mourned for Saul because he loved him. He really desired Saul to come back to him. Jesus mourns for all of humanity. He mourns when an atheist passes away. He mourns when very good, generous people who don't know him pass away. He mourns when our loved ones who do not know him pass away. 
Darkness and evil wants more members in their club, the club that is spiraling into oblivion. Jesus desires everyone to come to him. And David, he mourns because God mourned. For us, we mourn because Jesus mourned. That's lament. I want to conclude with some excerpts from an article entitled The Art of Lament found on the Gospel Coalition website, written by Rob Bachman as a compliment to my talk today. He begins with this, quote, Lament is a form of praise and prayer with the intent of drawing close to God in times of great suffering and pain. It ultimately is a wonderful gift to the children of God because it presupposes a relationship with God and depends on it. Only those who can approach God, it's covenantal, it is a covenantal relationship, are able to lament because lament is pleading with God to act in accordance with his character and promises to us. The mere fact we are able to approach God in lament is a sign of intimacy and hope. Lament is not simply complaining, nor is it spewing trite theological answers. Lament is both expressing our true anguish and pain to our sovereign king, and then finding hope and comfort in the truth of his faithful character and promises. We have all encountered a time in our lives where after sharing our grief and pain, a friend chose not to enter into our grief and pain to weep with us, but rather responded with a cold, hard truth that lacked the tenderness of sympathy. That is not lament. Lament is seeing that God enters into our pain, is incarnate with us in our trials, and meets us with his immutable nature. Lament helps us acknowledge our suffering, to not pretend or deny our plight, but then cast our eyes beyond our pain to our eternal hope and reward." End quote. So back to our question in the beginning. What can we learn from David's lament that can help us lament in our pain and loss? So that, as Peterson put, would put it, even though we lost something, we are not lost but closer to God. Number one, lament is about sharing in Jesus' love for humanity. We mourn for humanity because Jesus mourns for humanity. We mourn for our loved ones and for those who we care about and even for our enemies because Jesus mourned for them as well. Number two, laments acknowledge the blessings so that we direct our gratitude towards God. And we also acknowledge the losses to trust and depend on God, to deepen our dependency on God and to deepen our eagerness of awaiting Jesus to return. That's how laments can help us draw closer to God in the midst of our pain, grief, and suffering.